I'm going to read the scripture throughout the sermon, so it's not going to be as specific. If you want to turn to Numbers 22, you'll be able to sort of follow along, but I'll be reading little pieces as we go through the story. Last week, uh, Dr. Leonard Sweet preached in this pulpit. I think it was one of the best sermons I've ever heard. And uh, it was so nice, I got to sit with my wife for a sermon. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but I never get to sit with my wife for a sermon. Okay. Um, and so it was nice, but about three quarters of the way through, again, what I thought was one of the best sermons I've ever heard, my wife leaned over and said, you know, you have to preach next week. <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, I have to preach next week. So uh, I'm, I'm, I, am, I was prepared for that, though, and preaching uh, on the story of Balaam. And uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun, going to be a little playful. Um, we could talk about his donkey, but in the King James Version, it was his ass, and we're going to have a little bit of fun with that word today. So take a deep breath, everybody. We're going to have, be a little playful today. Um, when I, I've done this sermon in the past at my last church, and uh, on the sign out front it said, from the mouth of an ass, Reverend Jordan Rimmer. <laughs> and I thought, I pulled some of my session number and said, can we do a comma or some quotation marks or something? But anyway, here we go. Numbers chapter 22. Here's the background. Israel is not in the promised land yet. They've been wandering around in the desert. And uh, the desert people that are there feel threatened by these people that are just walking through. And Israel tries to ask permission to walk through the land, but not everybody gives it. And there ends up being some squirmishes. In fact, uh, they've, they, in this story, they have just fought with the Ammonites. Uh, who tried to make sure that Israel didn't walk through there, and Israel, uh, Israel won. Israel defeated them. So there's another nation they're about ready to walk through called Moab, the Moabites. And the Moabites are nervous also about Israel walking through there. And Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, sends for Balaam to get him to come and curse these people. Now, Balaam is a pagan prophet. He's a Moabite prophet, not a Jewish prophet. Okay? And uh, he's a professional prophet. We'll call him a prophet for profit. Okay? He is someone who makes money as a prophet, and as such, he tends to want to keep his employer happy, right? So he's a pagan prophet, a professional prophet, a prophet for profit. And I'm in chapter 22, starting in verse 7. So the elders of Moab... And the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam and gave, gave him Balak's message. And he said to them, Launch here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. And God, said to Balaam, God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? So Balak sends a delegation. Sends people with the money, with the fees, and uh, they sort of process in, tell Balaam what they need. Balaam has them stay over and goes to talk to God, or maybe even, in Balak's case, the gods. It may not just be one God. He goes to talk to the gods. And God says to him, who are these men with you? Now listen, anytime in the Bible, God is all-knowing, right? So if God comes to you in the Bible and asks you a question, it is never for God's information. Okay? God already knows who's there. When God asks a question in the Bible, it's always for your information or the information of whoever he's talking to. Okay? So he says to Balaam, who are these men with you? So God must understand Balaam has a perspective problem already. Okay? 
Balaam wants to keep these people happy, and God's a little unsure right from the get-go whether he's actually going to, uh, to Balaam's actually going to listen to God. Who, who is that with you? Are they God? No, I'm God. Well, let's make sure we get that right off the bat very clear. So, verse 10. Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and it covers the face of the earth. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them and drive them out. God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go to your own land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. This is the great moment, the the moment of faithfulness. God says Balaam, tells Balaam no. Balaam tells them no. They tell the king no. And all seems well. It would be a great story right there, a great story of obedience and faith. But it is not always easy to tell the king no. Once again, Balaam sent princes more in number and more honorable than these. So he beefs up the delegation. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will surely do you great honor. And whatever you say to me, I will do. Come curse this people for me. But Balaam answered and said to to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the command of the Lord my God to do less or more. So you too, please stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Now this uh, this is a difficult moment for Balaam, right? You got more powerful people. A stronger delegation has come. And now he has to answer them again. And he says, even if Balak Balak would give me his whole household of silver and gold, uh, I'm not sure I could go. It's kind of an interesting moment. And some scholars believe, some Jewish scholars believe that maybe Balaam is starting to line up his price. That maybe Balaam is saying, well, not only for a million dollars would I... But, you know, for two, maybe. And so he goes to God and asks God again. Maybe he's feeling that pressure. But here's the thing. God already told him the answer. God already told him, no, don't go over there and don't talk about those people and don't curse those people. How many of us would love for God to speak to us? Have you ever really had a question for God and you just wish? Like, God, if you would just tell me. If you would just say it to me, make it plain, put it in writing, like burn it into the side of my wall, I would do it. But the story of Balaam sort of stands here and says, well, would you really? Would you really? If God really told you what he wanted, would you actually listen or would you still have some questions? God, send me anywhere. God, are you sure you want to send me there? That's Balaam sins and in, in, in sort of sort of critiques us and says, you know, um, you would probably still question God. So Balaam goes to God, and, and in the night God comes to Balaam, verse 20, and said to him, if the men have come to tell you, rise, go with them. Uh, if, if the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. There's another interesting line from God. If that's what they came for, God knows what they've come for. He's making sure Balaam is understanding the process. So Balaam rose in the morning 
saddled his donkey. Again, King James Version, his ass. And he went with the princes of Moab. But God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the ass, and his two servants were with him. Did you catch the contradiction here? What did God say to Balaam? He said, go. And then why did God get mad at Balaam? Because he went. God, you, you can have it one of two ways here. Okay, You can either tell him to go and be okay with it, or you can tell him not to go and then be happy when he does. But you can't say to go and then get mad when he goes and does what you said to do. But what God knows, and this is revealed a little bit later in the story, what God knows is that Balaam is already backsliding. He's already stepping back. And when he gets there and he's before the king and he's before the people and he's before all these delegates, what God knows is Balaam is not going to do what I want him to do. He's going to go, but he's not going in my name. He's going in his name. He's not going because I'm king. He's going because Balak's king. God has, after all, God has already told him no. Didn't I answer you the first time? How many of you have had kids and grandkids that ask the same question again and again and again? Like if the answer was the same the first two times, time number five is probably going to be the same, right? You can't. So Balaam is going back to God to get his question answered because he didn't like the answer. And God says, fine, go. One of the harshest things that God can do to us is give us what we want. One of the hardest things God can do to us in our lives is give us exactly what we want. Because when we're asking for what we want, God knows it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. If you actually got that promotion, if you actually got that job, if you actually got that date, whatever it was, it is not going to bring you the happiness and the fulfillment. It's just going to let you down. And so God tells us no, and what do we do? We ask again, are you sure, God? Because it looks really good to me. Let, me. let me just go to God again and see what he... No, if God gives you a no, sometimes God gave you a no for a reason. And one of the harshest ways God can deal with us is to give us exactly what we want. Because if we get what we want, what we often find is it's not what we really wanted. It doesn't fulfill. It doesn't give us life. It doesn't give us joy. One of the hardest ways God deals with us is to give us... Just, just to say, go ahead and go. Fine, go your way. Apparently, you're not going to listen to me. You go ahead and experience it for yourself. So, Balaam goes... God's mad because of the heart attitude that he has when he goes, and he puts the angel of the Lord in his way. Now, now uh, Balaam can't see the angel of the Lord, but the donkey can. Verse 23, and the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the road and went into the field. So Balaam struck the ass, turned him to the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord again, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled and he struck the ass with his staff. In the King James Version, this gets really kind of funny using the language of ass. But anyway, there's a point here where Balaam is actually beating on the donkey, right? 
And uh, he's not, he, he, he doesn't understand that this donkey is trying to save him, right? And he's hitting him, and he's mad, and he's, there's some question at this point in the story about who the real ass is, right? Because he is just, he doesn't get it, and he's so angry, and he, he's stuck in where he's at. Verse 28, then the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the ass, because you have made a fool of me, I wish I had a sword in my hand, then I would, ki uh, then I would kill you. And the ass said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life long? In my, is, it is, is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, no. Now, are you catching the humor of the story right now? If you go home and your cat starts talking to you, what is the first thing you want to address? That the cat is talking to you, right? There's a, there's a whole level of conversation that Balaam is just not getting, right? And he's so mad that the donkey has made a fool out of him, but he's talking to his donkey, right? There's a certain foolishness at this point. And it looks stupid, but have you ever been so mad or so committed to what you want that you can't hear reason? You ever been at that point? You're so just into whatever I'm feeling right now, and I'm angry, and I want what I want, and I can't see anybody else, and I can't see any joy, and I can't see any, you know. He doesn't even address the fact that his beast of burden is dropping knowledge on him. He just keeps getting mad. I'd kill you if I had a sword, okay? Not even addressing the talking donkey. But I think we've been there. So mad, so obsessively focused that all we can see is what we put our heart on, okay? And, uh, I mean, Balaam, he wants to get there, right? He wants to, he doesn't want to be late. And he's also probably going, not by himself, but with the rest of this delegation. He's probably got people with him. So he looks really foolish in front of everybody. But here's the problem. How he looks in front of everybody is exactly what is going to keep him from speaking the things that God has for him to speak, this is the whole problem with Balaam right now. He cares too much about what the people think. He cares too much about what the king thinks. All, that's all he's worried about. And he's not real worried about God, which is the one thing he should be worried about. And the ass gets it. But Balaam is totally missing it. Then the moment of grace. Verse 31. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your ass these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live." Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak. It's a funny line in there that he says, If I had known you were in my way, I wouldn't have gone. 
If I had known you didn't want me to go, I, I wouldn't have gone. Well, that's garbage, because we read the story earlier when God says, don't go with them, right? And, and Balaam didn't hear that message. And Balaam insisted that he was going to go, so God said, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Balaam says, if, if I had known you were going to be against it. No, he knew he was against it, and he kept asking, and he kept pursuing, and he was going to do it anyway. But God, in his grace, turns and uses Balaam anyway. And there's this great line in here. He says, um, I will turn back. Balaam says, I will turn back. That's actually the Greek word, or the Hebrew word for repent. Okay? When we say repent, it's not to say I'm sorry. To repent is to turn back or to relent or to change directions. And so Balaam says, if you want, I'll repent. I will go the other way. The sign that it is true repentance. God, I'm really sorry, and I will do it differently now. And because of that repentance, his, his life is spared. And because of that repentance, God says, okay, now I want you to go. I do want you to go. But I want you to say what I tell you to say. It's kind of humorous how they do this. Because God puts, the, in the language in later, in, the, in a couple chapters later, God puts his words into uh, Balaam's mouth. In some ways, Balaam becomes the ass. Do you get this? Except not even, because at least the ass had his own words. Look back at the story again later. What did God do? He just let the, he let the donkey speak. Just let, him, let her speak what she had to say. God doesn't even give Balaam that privilege. God says, no, you're going to say what I'm going to tell you to say. You're going to be the voice piece. You're going to be the mouthpiece. But you better say what I am going to say. So Balaam does. He rides his ass the rest of the way. He actually blesses the people of Israel and says the words that God puts in his mouth. And Balaam is not, or Balak is not real happy about it, but Balaam does what he's supposed to. The pagan prophet for profit follows God's instructions with a little coaxing. He uses, God uses Balaam. The sad part of the story, by the way, is if you look up Balaam in the rest of scriptures, Balaam is like the epitome of a false prophet. Okay, he does not stay true to the one true God. Um, but that's kind of part of the story, too. There's only one perfect prophet in this whole book. And who is it? It's Jesus. Okay, everybody else is flawed, terribly, terribly flawed. You and me, uh, we make mistakes and we turn the other way and we get mad when, when it's not going the way we want to. And God tells us something and we go the opposite way. Um, and yet God chooses to work through us, through imperfect people. God doesn't even make us perfect. Uh, he, we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even in our perfection, God chooses to speak through us. We need to learn, though, the lessons of Balaam. To be humble and obedient against pressure and against what we want. To listen to and to only go where God tells us to go and to say what God tells us to say. So once God spoke through the mouth of an ass, and I'm praying he just did again, and I'm praying this week he does through you as well. Let's pray. Lord, speak to us, speak through us, and help us to be obedient. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.